Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 here's what i want you to understand this morning is in your life you're going to discuss this in your life groups this week in your life every single one of you whether you realize it when you came in here today or not have a soundtrack that really illustrates your life And we've been talking about this through the course of this series. It doesn't matter how you sing. In other words, it doesn't matter how well you sing, that you hit all the notes, that you have all the chords just right, that you know your harmonics and the scales. None of that matters. But do you know what does matter? It matters what you sing, and it matters when you sing. And we're going to look at some of that this morning. What we're going to do is we're going to open up the Word, and we're going to see through these snippets in Scripture, right, these stories from Scripture, when people broke out in song and what caused them to break out, break out in song and what they sang when they broke out in song. See, the, 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 today the title of the message is called that we should be compelled to sing. The word compelled, it means an intense desire, a driving force, an intense motivation. And every single one of us should have this intense desire deep down within us to break out in song because we serve a risen king. And if we are not able to break out in joyous song, in joyous praise, there's something wrong in our own hearts or we haven't had the encounter with the Lord that we thought we have had. So to be compelled, listen to what Paul wrote. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said this, speaking of, and this is in the New King James Version, not the ESV like we normally look at, but this is what it says, for the love of Christ compels us. Now, he's speaking about the fact that they're going out and they're trying to persuade people to come to Christ. We're trying to win people to the Lord. The love of Christ is what compels us to do this. Again, the word in the Greek there, to be compelled, it can be uh, translated distressed or to be pressed on all sides, to be surrounded by something. Literally, it means to be controlled by, to have your thoughts consumed with. Our thoughts are consumed with reaching the lost because of the love of Christ. He goes on, he says this, the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That they were compelled to take the message of the gospel to the lost because they understood the love of Christ. This morning, what I'm suggesting to you is that you should be compelled, feel compelled to do the same. And if you're not compelled to share the love of Christ, if you're not compelled to sing from the depths of who you are, then there's something going on in your heart, and you have to pause, and you have to ask why. 
So the first thing we're going to take note of, if you have your outlines, if you're following along at home, you can follow along in our app. The, the points are there. You can see them very clearly, very easy to follow along. Uh, again, in your outlines that you have, your bulletins that you have, you'll have the questions for our life groups. You'll have the outline you can fill in. All pertinent information concerning Christ Community Church for the next few weeks is in there as well. You can access that online or through our app. So look at the first point here. Uh, what I want you to see is that you as a believer in Christ should be compelled to sing during seasons of revelation. Those times in your life where you have an overwhelming presence of the glory of God. And the first thing I want you to note there under that as a subpoint is when you have a vision of God's glory. There's this account in the book of Isaiah. In the prophet Isaiah in chapter 6, you can read this later on. I'll paraphrase it for now. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has this amazing revelation, vision of God in all of his glory. And it comes at a time in his life when he's down. His, his king has just died. King Uzziah has died. And his, his heart is burdened. His heart is grieved. He trusted in this king. He believed this king was a good leader. And so he's in a state really of, of kind of like a de de depression. And it's when he's in that state that he has this amazing vision of the glory and the grandeur of God. And the scripture describes this, this scene as that someone is seated upon the throne. The Lord is seated upon the throne in heaven, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe fills the temple there in heaven with glory. And these angels are worshiping the one who sits upon the throne, the Lord who sits upon the throne, and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. They're singing this song. And Isaiah sees this, and, and all of this is happening, trans, it's, it's, it's happening right before his eyes, folding out or unfolding right before his eyes. And in his heart, he's grieved, and he says, I'm such a sinful man. And I dwell in the midst of sinful people. And an angel comes and cleanses him. And then he hears a voice from the one who sits upon the throne. And the voice says, who will go for us? Who can we send and who will go for us? And do you know what Isaiah responds in that moment? He sees the worship in heaven. He sees the glory of God. He steps forward. He hasn't been told where he's going. He hasn't been told what he's going to do. All that he knows is the one with the glory upon the throne has a need, has a request, and the request goes forth. Who will go for us and who can we send? And Isaiah steps forward and he says, here am I, send me. That's the proper response to a vision of the glory of God. Here's this worship, this singing that is happening, the angels around the throne. Isaiah understands the glory of the one upon the throne is, is greater than my own. Here, whatever you want, I will do. Has that been a response? Has that been a, a place that you've come to yet in your walk with the Lord? The place where you say, Lord, it doesn't matter where you send me or to whom you send me, I will go because you are glorious on your throne. Paul, the Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, when he was still Saul, had this similar encounter on the road to Damascus, and a bright light shone around him, and a voice speaks forth from, from the heavens and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And immediately the scripture says, Saul falls on his face and worships the Lord. And he says this, who are you, Lord? The word Lord literally means ruler, it means the owner, it means the one who has all authority. And what Paul in that moment, or Saul in that moment is saying is, from now on, because of this glory that I've seen, 
I'm no longer going to live my life for myself. You own me, Lord. Lord, who are you? If you haven't had that confession yet, then you haven't really meeten a risen Savior yet. If you cannot say like Isaiah, here, my Lord, send me, who are you, Lord, what would you have me to do? Then you really don't understand the cross. You really don't understand what Jesus has done for you. You need an encounter with the Lord. So we have this, this opportunity to break forth in song and in worship when we see the revelation of the glory of God. But also, secondly, if you're taking notes there, we should also be compelled to sing when we understand and we see the worthiness of God. God's worth. Do you realize God's worth? In Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, again, write that down and read it later on. Just for the sake of time, we're not going to read absolutely everything. But there, the apostle John is taken into heaven. And he's given this incredible vision of what it looks like, what worship looks like in the heavenly throne room. And it says there that he sees this one, and, and he, he describes diamonds and rubies and emeralds and a sea of glass and these creatures that are worshiping God, that are worshiping there the, the one who sits upon the throne. And there are these 24 elders that represent the church and the Jewish fathers. And, and he sees all of these, and they're all bringing their crowns before the throne, and they're throwing their crowns upon the, the, the floor there at the feet of the one who sits upon the throne at the feet of Jesus, and they're crying out, holy, holy. Holy, holy is the Lord. The word holy means pure. It means separate. It means different than you and me. And all of those there in heaven are crying out, holy, holy, holy. But in chapter 5, let's read it together. If you have your Bibles, we should open up our Bibles when we have a sermon, shouldn't we? Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5. And I want you to just, we're going to read most of this chapter together. Let's read this together. After this vision, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Right? They sing there at the end of chapter 4. Worthy are you, Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things and for your will or for your pleasure they exist and were created. Now, Revelation 5, 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, the Lord seated on the throne, a scroll written within and, and the back was sealed with seven seals. Many Bible commentators believe this is the will to, or the, uh, the title deed to the earth. Right? And the deed of the earth needs to be redeemed, needs to be purchased back. Look at what happens here, verse 2. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to even look at it. There wasn't anyone worthy enough to redeem the deed to the earth. That deed was forfeited when man sinned. There was no one found worthy. Verse 5. I began to weep. This is John speaking. I began to weep because there was no one who could redeem this deed. I wept loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to even look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seals. And between the throne, the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though he had been slain. He sees a lamb, a lamb still bearing the marks of the cross. He sees Jesus come forward. There was no one on, in heaven, no one on earth worthy to take this scroll. But then the elder says, wait, here comes one who is worthy. And he looks off into the distance and there approaches a lamb as though he had been slain. 
continuing on there. It says he has seven horns and seven eyes and seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you've ransomed people for your God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. You have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders a voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, thousands upon thousands, saying or singing with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying to him who sits upon the throne, to the Lamb, the the blessing, and honor, and glory, and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders, what? They fell down, and they worshipped him. What happens when the Lamb walks into the room? Everything stops, and everyone begins to break out in song and to cast their crowns at the feet of Jesus and to worship him as loud as they can. Why? Because they understood in that moment that lamb went to the cross in my place, and he is worthy of my praise. What does that word worthy mean? The word worthy means to be deserving. It means to have great value in. So when we sing, when we bring our praises to God, when we open up our lips and we fill our lungs with air and we shout out to God in song, what are we doing? We're proclaiming that Jesus is worthy of our worship. He's deserving of our praise. And there is none other that is worthy of that worship. Again, the question would be this. If you are not compelled to sing at the revelation of the glory and the worthiness of Jesus, then you haven't really met Jesus at all. We sing because he's filled with glory, and we sing because he is a God who is worthy. And we have to be compelled, again, the word compelled, to have an intense desire, a motivation, to have our thoughts consumed with just shouting out praise to the Lord. We sing during seasons of revelation. Secondly, I want you to take note of this. We as believers must be compelled to sing during seasons of celebration. And time after time after time throughout the scriptures, you see these amazing feats that God has done on behalf of his people. And the response to those amazing, miraculous deeds of God is the response of praise, the response of song. The song of Moses is the first song in the Bible. We find this in Exodus chapter 15. The people of Israel have just been delivered from bondage over 400 years in bondage to the Egyptians. They're building Egyptian tombs, baking bricks in the hot Egyptian sun. 400 years, generation after generation after generation. Their only hope for their children was that someone would take note of them and maybe advance them to become one of the, the, the people who would help out in Pharaoh's home. Otherwise, their, their lot in life was to bake those bricks. 400 years. But God delivers the Israelites. They're back up against the wall of the Red Sea. The, the 
situation seems hopeless. Two million Jews trying to escape Egypt, and they see thousands upon thousands of chariots and horsemen and soldiers approaching. They have nowhere to go. They're sitting ducks, and what does God do? He parts the waters of the Red Sea. The, it, the Israelites cross on dry land, and the Egyptians are swallowed up in the waters as they pursue. Now, in response to that miraculous deliverance of God, that's what I want you to take note of here, in times of deliverance, there is great praise that comes forth from the people of God. Moses leads two million Israelites in this song as a response to their being delivered and rescued from the hand of the Egyptians. And this is just the beginning. If you want to write this down, Exodus chapter 15, you can read the entire song later. But listen to the first three verses. This is what Moses teaches the children of Israel to sing. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider he is uh, the, he is thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. They break out in song, recounting the deeds of the Lord in celebration for such a great deliverance. You realize that the scripture says, Moses himself said in Deuteronomy chapter 18, he said, I'm going to raise up for you a prophet like him to myself. This is the Lord speaking through Moses. God's going to raise up for you a prophet much like myself. Him you will listen to. He will be your deliverer, the one who will redeem you, the one who will rescue you. Do you know who that deliverer was? He has a name and his name is Jesus. And if your back is up against a wall this morning, like the Israelites found themselves, and the situation seems hopeless, and it seems like certain doom, impending doom is coming in the form of chariots and horsemen and soldiers, you too can cry out to God, and he will deliver you. The scripture says this, Jesus said this, whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Delivered. Freedom. This is what Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says. It says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit yourselves again to the yoke of slavery. Don't go back to the land of Egypt. You've been set free. And if you understand what you've been set free from, because you, you might not have Egyptians that are chasing you this morning, but you know what? Each of us have things that are haunting us that are chasing us down. Whether it's depression or a broken relationship or an addiction or loneliness, the word that the Lord wants you to hear this morning is that he has delivered you from those things. And when you understand the deliverance, when you understand what you've been rescued from, the proper response is to cry out to God in song and appreciation and celebration of the deliverance that he's brought for you. Another man who uh, we can see throughout scripture breaking out in song upon the deliverance that he received from the Lord is David. If you've ever read the Psalms, you understand this, but there's one Psalm in particular I want to point out to you, and again, you can read this in 2 Samuel chapter 22 later on, and, and you can read the entire song in Psalm chapter 18, but listen to the first few uh, verses from Psalm chapter 18. This is David's response. Listen to what he says here. It, the title of this is, To the Choir Master, a Psalm of David. Okay? This is what David is doing here. He's saying, all right, boys, strike up the band because I've got a song to sing. 
about the deliverance that God has brought for me. Strike up the band, tune up the band, make sure they're ready to go because I've got to sing this song to bring glory to God. Strike up the band to the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of his Saul, his father-in-law, who was pursuing him. This is what he says. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock or my foundation. He is my fortress or my place of safety. He is my deliverer, my rescuer, my redeemer, my savior, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my safe harbor, my safety from the storm, my shield, my protector, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I'm saved from my enemies. David says, something happened when I called out to the Lord. And remember, he's singing this. This is his response to seeing God come through for him time and time again. I sing out, I call out to the Lord who's worthy to be praised. And when I called out to him, I was saved from my enemies. Deliverer. When you understand the deliverer that delivers you, the one who rescues and redeems you, your Savior, when you have a true relationship with your Savior, you have no option but to be compelled to sing. Secondly, And to this point, I want you to take note that we as believers, we need to be singing in times of dedication. We see this being wrought out over and over, time and time again throughout the scriptures. When something happens uh, corporately, as as the, the Israelites come together, something special is happening in their worship, they come together and they would sing. We see this when David brings the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem for the first time. And you can read this in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Again, I I want you guys to take note of those things because I want you to know I'm not making this up, right? 2 Samuel chapter 6, go read that, right? But the scripture says that he gathers together all of the musicians. Look at what it says here. And David and all of the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and with lyres and with harps and with tambourines and with castanets and with cymbals. He's got a full-on band as he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant, that mercy seat. It holds the tablets, Moses' tablets. It's coming into Jerusalem, into God's city. And he, he, it, he brings the people together to celebrate in song. He literally has a band playing as the Ark of the Covenant enters into Jerusalem. You Bible scholars in the room understand that the Ark of the Covenant, that represents the presence of the Lord. So when the presence of the Lord comes into God's city, the people rejoice at this time of dedication as the presence of the Lord approaches the city. Now, in this text, you can read this later. I'm not making this up. 2 Samuel chapter 6, you can read about how every six steps they would sacrifice, offer an offering to the Lord. And the scripture says that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. The band is playing, the people are singing, David is singing, and he's twirling around, dancing in front of the people. This is the king of Israel. The scripture says that he's doing this in his undergarments, basically. He's not fully clothed, he's in his undergarments, dancing before the Lord. And the scripture says that his wife sees what's going on and despises him in her heart. And when he approaches, she confronts him and she says, you made a spectacle of yourself today. You look like a fool today. You look like you were drunk today. You know what David says? 
He says, I'm going to become even more humble than this, even more abased than this, because I know the one that I'm worshiping. I'll become even more undignified than this in my worship of God, because he's a God who is worthy. This dedication happens. David's there. He's dancing. He's singing. The band is playing. Why? Because they're celebrating this dedication moment. And I wonder what we've missed out on because we haven't truly entered into that kind of worship, that kind of worship like David entered into, where it doesn't matter who else is watching. I don't care if people see. I don't care if people think I'm drunk. I don't care if people say what they say. All that matters is I have an audience of one right now, and he is on the throne, and I'm dancing, and I'm singing, and I'm shouting, and I'm playing these instruments for him. Amen? Praise God. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977